You're listening to Zen Sandwich, a podcast that encourages mindfulness, gratitude, and hopefully an occasional laugh. I'm Mark Reed, a former college professor and lawyer. Now I live in the countryside of Japan, make traditional Japanese paper, and try to make myself and the world a little better today than it was yesterday. I'm here twice a week, either with research and observations or talking with inspiring, artistic, and influential people. The idea is to bring some calm and kindness to the world and help you do the same. Hey, here we are. My guest today is Debbie Marquez. Her story is a bit of a departure from my usual guests or a line of questioning. And before I dive into what exactly uh, I asked her to come on for, uh, it's pertinent to mention that I know Debbie personally, and she's a super cool, positive, funny person. Uh, it's true. Uh, you know, I, we had a sort of in, instant kindred spiritness, I think, you know, almost the moment we met. And uh, yeah, and I met her years ago, which, so that's important because that's what makes this story, what ultimately this story is going to be about here, so compelling and critical. Um, because some might just hear the headline and make erroneous judgments or assumptions about her brother or about her. And I th so I think it's important to start there. Debbie Marquez is someone you would want to call your friend. Uh, I'm certainly glad I, I call her my friend. She's a regular person you might meet in all positive senses of the word and an irregular person in all the fun ways. She's funny, artistic. She's good natured. So with that said, here is uh, some of the unpredictability about life. You see, three years ago, uh, Debbie's brother, Kevin Holroyd, someone I had spoken to myself uh, on over a dozen occasions, shot and killed the fiance of his ex-wife in Walton County, Florida. That's near Panama City Beach. He then returned to his apartment home he subsequently had a gunfire exchange from a second-story window with police that surrounded his apartment. An estimate of over 100 rounds were fired. SWAT teams, a bomb squad, armored vehicles were deployed on, to the scene. And tragically, Kevin ended his own life there. He was found wearing body armor at the time, and the apartment was doused in gasoline. Now, the story made local headlines, of course as well as national news. There was an article in uh, Newsweek about it. I didn't even know that. Yeah. So Debbie, <clears throat> thank you for coming on the show to talk about this and not to simply relive these events, but to ultimately discuss the impact it had on you. I think people will find that, that part interesting, um, not in a morbid curiosity way, but in a way that speaks to a lot of us. That is, how would I handle it? How would I handle something like this happening in my life? So I went over what happened in the news reports. Tell us what happened on your, your end. Tell us what's more to the story that doesn't get told or, or, or tell us how you found out. Well, it was um, just a normal day. Like everything was fine and I was at work and then my mom, I just got a call from my mom who said, I think you should come home. There's something happening with your brother. We lived in the same apartment complex and our bedrooms were directly across from each other, just across from a pool. Um, but when I did get over to that area, they wouldn't let me in. 
because everything had already started and there was gunfire going on and just a lot of chaos and confusion. Like it, it's just one of those moments in life where you're just like, what the fuck is happening? Like yeah, what? I I, this can't be happening. It was like sur- yeah, just surreal, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. And I remember even consciously having a thought of turning off. I was listening to uh, something with Chris Cornell that I love and I turned it off. I'm like, I don't want any negativity associated with Chris Cornell. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but um, yeah, it was just, I went up to one of the cops who was in the same parking lot because I was across the street. I wasn't allowed in the complex. So I just went up to one of the cops. I'm like, is this, do you know the name of the person that's doing this or the apartment that it's coming from? And they asked me, well, do you? And I was like, is it Kevin Holroyd, 1A? And they're like, yeah. So it just, it from there, it was hours just sitting in that parking lot listening hours. to gunshots. Hours yeah. of gunshots. See, that's, yeah. the, that's the other thing that we don't get a sense. Like if you just read or research up on this, this event, it's so glossed over. Like, you know, there's a standoff, hundreds of gunshots, you know. And so I can only just imagine in my mind, but I didn't think about the scope, the duration. You're saying yeah. hours of this happening. It was hours. And everybody had to vacate. They got everybody out of the apartment building that he was in. And I was standing up there with, it was like a shut down restaurant. And I was standing up there with some people that from the apartment complex who were not saying very nice things about Kevin at the time. They're like, why don't they just shoot that fucking lunatic and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, you know, look, I was like, I'm sorry. This is not him. This is like, he just snapped. He's a really nice guy. And they're like, we know, we talked to him. But it, it turned out where they ended up hugging me and they're like, you know, I'm really sorry that this is happening because I was just like, you know, don't judge so harshly because you just don't know what happened. You know, it, he was pushed to his limit and, what? and depression is no joke. I mean, people need to take it so much. Like it is, I tried with him. I really did, but yeah. <laughs> there's such a stigma, especially I think more with guys where they just, even taking one little pill means they're less of a man somehow. I don't know. Yeah, I, absolutely. I'm glad you bring that point up um, because it, it is an issue that does not get addressed enough. It's overlooked. Um, and it's, you know, I did, I grew up in an environment where somehow, you know, a, a joke was made of you or, uh, or of yeah. a, hypo, a hypothetical guy that, Oh, he's got to take Prozac, man. He's, he's somehow less of a man or something like, why don't you man up and deal with it? You know, that right. Kind of, right. And so that's Just silly. Day, walk it off. It is so super silly because brains have chemical imbalances. It just happens. It's nothing. It can be corrected or it can be, you know, you can deal with it and live with it, manage it and control it. But he didn't get it taken care of. And he did want, I don't, this is something that not a lot of people know, but, he did describe to me what he was planning on doing. I mean, I, I didn't know that at the time, but he told me like step by step exactly what happened. And when I, when he told me that he was going to do that, I'm like, Kevin, that's, you know, you can't kill people. That's insane. I was like, you don't just, you don't solve your problems that way. 
that it's a fantasy. Kenya, yeah, I'm sure he would have said that, you know, and maybe in, at that time when he was discussing it, it, it was still in sort of fantastical planning stages, not realistic ones. But, God, that line gets blurred uh, quickly, I guess. Um, well, without going into too many glorified details, what exactly was going Because, you know, when if someone like me reads a news report from the outside, okay, uh, kills the the fiance of the ex-wife. Um, you know, we just have to make all those general presumptions that there was jealousy going on or something, but there's probably a lot more to the story about, and I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to find new bad guys in this scenario where whatever the other guy did, you know, to make him seem like there's no, well, no there's no positive outcome of all this. Right. You know I mean? What, I mean, and there's no way that Kevin cannot come out. I mean, what he did was so wrong. That was just so wrong. Um, but it was just one of those things where you have a triangle of people and people aren't being honest with other people and playing with emotions. Mm. Something's got to give. And I, I don't know. We were never, we're going under the assumption that something was said to him the night before from the guy that he killed, um, whose name was Clint. Um, so, we don't know exactly what was happening because uh, Siri, well, the wife, I don't know if anything happened. We're just kind of assuming that, but she won't really open up about that. Um, I did see her just the other day and she was telling me she still sees his ghost and stuff. So um, she, I don't, it's just one of those things. It's, you cannot mess with people that hard and it, expect nothing negative or bad to happen in this case it was the very worst case scenario what can happen a lot of it too was just depression and it just got the best of him his sadness um he would come in to see me at work and just say how he needed friends and so and you met kevin he's not an unlikable guy he was right. friendly and he had a good heart so it was just shocking and he deserved a better ending yeah but yeah I, I i wanted to i mean i said once in the intro but that you know i knew him i had and i didn't it wasn't just a hey how's it going uh kind of uh encounter i mean he and i would talk you know and yeah. talk about things that other than what were, were work related i mean we would talk um you know about views about society politics whatever and I spoke to him, you know, at least a dozen times or more. And I would have never imagined this. Uh, and then you, but you knew him as a close sibling. Did you have any indication that something like this could or, or would have ever happened? Only in hindsight. Hmm. What's it that then? What do you look back on and think, oh, that makes more sense now, or now I can kind of see that? Well, when he described pretty much word for word what happened, what actually unfolded, um, but just, I remember there were just certain times, like he would come up to my room and he would sit at my desk and I would be sitting across the room and I would just catch him staring out the window and I, he was just so sad. Like you just see so much sadness in him and he's my older brother and he was, you know, 
always the tough guy. Like he was, uh, you know, you just, I never saw him cry like that. And just to see him unraveling and it was like two to three weeks before. So as a buildup. Yeah. But it, I mean, it could have been like even years because they were just so horrible together and yeah. just sick and so much like betrayal and lies. And, and, and I remember one thing that he said to me too, um, which was maybe another thing in hindsight was a hint that he said, whatever happens, he's like, don't hate Siri because I've done things that weren't great to her either. So please don't ever hate her. So that was another maybe. Do you you said you ran into her the other day? Do you, I mean, do you well, she have... came over. She came down from Panama City. I'm in Tampa now, and uh, she well, Sarah, her my niece was here for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. so she came her up. So we sat and talked for a little bit. You know, like when when Kevin died, she was saying that I was going to be her rock and stuff, but I just didn't have the strength to. You know. How did you deal with the news right after it happened? Oh, like when I found out he was really dead or. Well, let's back up even just a, yeah, but let's back up even just a, a little bit back to where you're outside, you're, you're being kept back by the police, but you have found out it is Kevin and what must be going through your mind? Are you thinking, cause you gotta have some realization that, well, there's no easy way out of this. So best case scenario while he's still alive and having this exchanging gunfire with the police, I would assume best case scenario that they, you know, you're probably thinking they're going there and safely get him. And then let's get him mentally evaluated. Yeah. I knew he wasn't going alive because uh, he had always said, like he always had this strange obsession almost of never going to prison. (laughs) So It was just one of those things I knew he wasn't going to come out alive. But it's weird because one of the first thoughts that I had when I found, because detectives came to talk to me as the shooting was happening, um, uh, the Walton, the Fort Walton ones that handled the homicide, um, they, I sat down on the curb and I was like, would I be willing to lie for Kevin? <laughs> like, am I going to tell them something to make him look better because mm. it was just a messed up situation. But ultimately I just told them what I knew, right. which you know, I've mentioned to you, it was just a messed up. And they told me that Clint was dead and that um, I asked about Siri and they were asking me why I was asking. I'm like, well, I think it's a natural question. Yeah. <laughs> and that I was just curious because there were issues going on and they said, no, Clint had passed away and Kevin was, I guess, caught on camera, maybe driving away or something. I, I don't, and that's when he came back and I don't, I don't, I mean, there was no way he was getting away with that. I just, I tried when, even when I knew there was no chance, I was trying to call him and I was just trying, you know, I knew he wasn't going to answer, but mm-hmm. there was, yeah. So I, it was. So then when it gets to the point. Fusion at that point, like I just, it was hard to think about anything straight. Okay. So then when you're there at the shoot off and you, you're, you're there at the scene 
mm-hmm. and you know it's Kevin, and you also know that he's not coming out of this alive, you know, in all likely scenarios here, because he's just, he's already told you in the past that prison ain't for him. Um, Well, then, I mean, I I can only imagine what must have been going on in your head. I mean, can you describe some of it? It was more numbness at the time. Like it was because, I mean, you could feel like they blew open his door and stuff. So, I mean, you could feel the ground shaking. You could feel like, like, I don't, the power of the gunshots almost. Like there were so many other things overwhelming my senses that it was hard to, like even to this day, sometimes when I hear a loud noise, it jolts me because I, it was just so jarring Hmm. to go through that and to feel the earth moving. I kind of even can't even say what I was feeling except numb and disbelief and why, why, like, why did you get to this level? What would, like, this should never have been this tragic. Divorce is the best option. Like, I tried to get him into a whole different, you know, like, Mm -hmm. setting up step-by-step plans of getting out of this marriage. And he just, it just. Were they so they weren't all the way officially divorced yet, right? No, as far as Kevin knew, they were working on their marriage, and she kept telling him that she was going at her aunt's, going to her aunt's to work and to help her and stuff. But she was living with this other guy, so Mm -hmm. she was doing a double life thing. And, um, you know, I feel terrible in ways because she had blocked him on Facebook. See, they had a weird relationship. They really did. So I was still friends with her and I still got to see her posts. And she was posting things about living with this guy and getting a new dog and blah, blah, blah. So I wanted Kevin to have a reality check. So I showed him one of the posts. I'm like, this is why you need to follow this plan and and make steps of moving on. And this is it. I was like, this is a reality check. And that's, that was the beginning of the downfall, which, uh, you know, makes me feel like horrible because maybe they could go on forever. Like they were, who knows? I don't know. No, I think you did whatever. I think what you did, you should have, you loved Kevin and you wanted him to see the reality. So I don't think there's, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with what you did. Um, Thank you for that. Well, he had, um, it turns out that Kevin did have some political views that you or yeah that you or i might not share um yeah, yeah and he uh well I, I i'm gonna mention briefly what they were but my question really is are they relevant to anything because they get mentioned in the news reports but he he thought there was an effort to ultimately dismantle the constitution removing statues was first then the flag and the anthem he rallied he rallied against what he saw as a globalist movement do you see any connection with thoughts like those as translating to the jealousy or anger that resulted in the tragedy well um kevin was always angry he and he always had a real problem processing his anger um and that stems from childhood because got the shit beat out of him all the time by my drunken father so Mm, there was I mean it was just 
a really unconventional upbringing and I didn't get nearly as much abuse as he did. Um, so there was that buildup of anger and looking for ways to outlet it. But when he had way more guns than I think should be allowed, and I know that that's not going to sit well with a lot of gun rights people, but I just don't understand why everybody has to be so well armed. But then they bring up confusion. And I'm not that well versed or educated in any of that. I just. Well, you, you make up. And you make up a good point. Second Amendment stuff gets. Uh, I haven't had a serious episode on it, but it gets talked about when I have a more politically uh, minded episode. And um, your point, I think, is a fair argument that because you're not arguing no one should have guns ever. You're saying like, no, there's no reason for one person to have so damn many of them. And such high powered. Like, right. I mean, he had a teen and a bunch of like, like there, it's not necessary. And it, it just breeds easy access for stuff like this to happen. How are you different now because of this? How are you different as a person? I know that I've talked to you before, and so a lot of people probably won't understand that my life has been <laughs> full of kind of loss and darkness and stuff like that. So this just seemed another step on it, even though him and I were very close. I miss him a lot. Mm. Um, but it just showed me kind of too how fragile the mind is and how easily it can break. And you really have to keep your brain nourished and take care of your soul. It's just another thing that has made me stronger and realize that you just have to treat people with more kindness and really be more considerate of people and how they feel. And, you know, you don't have to treat people so shitty sometimes. Like, even if you're hurting, there are other ways to let it out. And it just, it actually brought me to a more, like I've always been kind of a peaceful or peace loving type of person, but it's even made me more now that I just, I, there are so many better ways and to get over emotional about things is not the way to go about it. Jealousy, ego pretty much ruins everything in the world. Yeah, so that right. yeah, it, it, it seems like there's, a better way to live your life and all of those stresses are not the answer or it's just not going to bring any happiness into your life. I agree a hundred percent. And I, that segues really to the last question I wanted to ask you in that, what are, what are the positive takeaways if there can be any from this and whether that's advice that you would give uh, to someone who, who might be feeling the way Kevin did or advice to someone more in your shoes, lose, losing a loved one under dire untimely circumstances like this you know what would be your your words of wisdom to either a, another kevin out there or someone who might have to deal with the aftermath of something like this happening well to another kevin i would say please please don't feel any shame in asking for help there's nothing wrong with that it, it's only going to make everything in in life and probably somebody else's life better that you can help somebody else down the line, like pay it forward, as they say. Um, there's no need to suffer. I mean, unhappiness and depression is going to seep into everybody's life at some point. It's just how you deal with it. Um, and I, there's just no shame in sometimes getting your brain back in a chemical balance that it needs. Um, I, I mean, if, you, if we had more time, I would get into how 
diet and nutrition alter the brains and stuff like that too, because we all eat so horribly and depleted nutrition. <laughs> yes. But that's a whole different subject. It's another and, episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and for people that like me have a, I think I have a bit of a different perception of a lot of things than most people because I've lost a lot. So, I mean, and everybody's been through stuff. I'm not saying I'm the only one in the world who's ever been through anything, but it, it's made a little bit of a thicker skin. So I just hope that he's in a better place and has finally found some peace. And um, that's the thing that gets me through it. I just think that he's not in mental turmoil anymore. Mm. And it helps me. Yeah. You know. Well, I, I certainly love the advice that ask for help if you need it, because uh, I've needed help for various issues in my life and at, from time to time. And, you know, if you if you broke your arm, I mean, you'd go to the hospital and you right. get that fixed. You get it wrapped up. You take you some medicine you, uh, to deal with the pain. And, you know, it might take some time, might take six weeks, could take longer, depending on how bad the break is. And, but you get it healed up. Maybe you have a scar when it's over. Why don't we treat our minds any, you know, why don't we treat them just as well as we would our broken arm? That's an excellent point. I couldn't agree more. I just, I don't know why there's that stigma connected to that. Yeah. Well, uh, I think hearing stories like like yours uh, helps um, for people who, who might have some connection to you know, anything like this. So I, I thank you again for your time. Debbie, I have always thought you were a super cool person. I've thought the same of you. And I, <laughs> it's like there are always brighter days ahead. It might be months, but there's always brighter days. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, I can vouch for that as well. So and I, I, I got to talk to you again. It's so awesome to see you. Yeah, it's been it's been a lot, long time since actually seeing and talking to you face to face. So yeah, pretty cool. face we get in these days. Well, right, yeah, and COVID face to face. Awesome. Well, um, if you enjoyed uh, this episode or any other, please visit Patreon.com/slash/SendSandwich and chip in a few bucks. Uh, I hope to always be ad free. If you can't, no worries. I'm I'm glad you're listening or watching. If you uh, do sign up, I will send you a handmade postcard on washi. That's traditional Japanese paper that my wife and I make, and I'll I'll write you a personal note, get you a uh, personal handmade postcard in the mail to wherever you are in the world. Debbie, I'd like to send you one as well, just as a thanks, if that's okay. That's sweet. Thank you. I would love that. Well, thank you for your time, and uh, stay kind. Thank you. Yeah, thank stay you for kind. Sorry. <laughs> stay kind, everyone.